Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Leap Takers podcast, the podcast for the curious, where I'm interviewing daring entrepreneurs, investors and shapers in fascinating areas such as crypto, consumer technology, traveling or the future of work. In these conversations, we will discover how these leap takers got started on their journey, the insights and learnings they gathered, their mental models, tactics, and much more, so that you too can take the leap. Before we get started with the interview, I had a small idea that I wanted to try out today. So over the last few years, I collected a lot of interesting quotes in a Google Keep document, and I thought, yeah, I could just select one of these quotes every episode that fits to the theme and share it with you. So I'm happy to hear your thoughts, what you think. I'd be curious to hear if you like the idea. So here is my quote number one. If you dare, then you have already gotten further ahead than 99% of all others. That's a quote from Daniel Ek, the founder and CEO of Spotify, which by the way would be also a great guest to have on this show one day. Who knows? One can dream, right? <laughs> so um I think this quote really captures the essence of what this podcast is about very well. And it also applies to today's guest, whose name is Estefania Tapias. She is a researcher on the topic of the future of cities and an entrepreneur that was listed on the Forbes reputable 30 under 30 list. She is originally from Colombia, but has been living in Switzerland, in Zurich for the past few years, where she co-founded vSpace. vSpace is a community, a co-working space and a digital platform inspired by women. They have a location in Zurich. That's also where she invited me to record this interview. Estefania obtained her PhD at the ETH in Zurich and worked as a researcher and lecturer on the topic of smart cities, as well as in Zurich and in Singapore. So I think this is a great episode since we talk about how she got started with founding a co-working space, which is a booming industry if you look what's happening in other countries like the US with some gigantic companies like the V Company. Um, and also we talk about the mindset to make the jump to start your own venture. And we talk about tools to build the perfect website and also discuss how she got featured in the Forbes 30 on the 30 list, which makes for a really interesting story. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, Estefania. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for um, taking your time. I think my first question would be about your personal background and how you became fascinated with the topic of smart cities. Um, since this is quite a specific topic. So, yeah, would you share kind of how you got interested in, in that topic? So thank you, first of all, for inviting me for your podcast. Uh, my interest came because my background is in architecture. And while I was studying architecture, I got very interested in the whole sustainability and, and climate change topic. And then I studied, I did my master in sustainable architecture and urban planning. And then I got more into the topic of urban planning and and uh, urbanization. So and then in research uh, specifically, and then I came to ETH in Zurich to uh, finish my master and go more in deep in the whole research of climate change, but with the focus of digitalization and future cities. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then I got more into that topic. Then I did my PhD also on that topic in information. In archi information architecture and urban climate, yes, and then it just started from there. Okay. And it was just the journey started there. 
Very cool. And I read that you were also part of a project, I think, in Singapore, where you worked on kind of how to cool the city down. But I'm not sure if that's correct, but I read that online. But. Yeah, so after some years after I finished my PhD, um, I also got into a project that was called Cooling Singapore, actually. Mm-hmm. And was also from ETH, but it's from the Future Cities Laboratory in Singapore. That it's um, that that is basically also from ETH. Uh, from ETH. Yes, and then I mean, after my findings of my PhD, I got more into the topic, but more like from a project management perspective and from mm. a from an expert perspective. And then I I supported them uh, just on the side, but I also had the opportunity to travel a couple of times there and help them with developing the project. Okay. Um. And so just generally your feeling, how did the space develop over the last few years? Has like interest risen in in that type of research and projects? Or how do you see the state of, of this whole Yeah, industry? it's very interesting because when I did my PhD, so when I started in 2013, uh, the, the topic, of course, of climate change was very hot already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hot literally yeah. also. But I mean, like... Uh, in the agenda of many research uh, labs, but it was more from the perspective of the more hardcore scientific level, like from the meteorological level, the physics level, uh, even the chemistry level. So it was more or from the engineering level, but in terms of cities and how it will affect the future of cities and the citizens, it was quite raw still. So in, back then it was quite interesting because, um, I mean, I started combining this whole idea, this whole research about uh, urban meteorologic and, and cities and development and climate change and so on and, the, and how the changing climate is affecting the thermal comfort of people and so on. And I also got the opportunity to have as an expert and co-supervisor one of the leading researchers on the topic. Uh, so it was good because back then there was not so much interest uh, and then I got to develop a lot with him but by the time I finished then the whole topic of how uh, the coming climate was going to affect the city started being much more popular which was quite good (laughs) Uh, and then that's how also the the project in Singapore started also because the the whole idea of how the citizens will be uh, affected uh, and the thermal comfort and so on so so it was good, and then I think nowadays it's also even more changing, even more like more from an urgency perspective. Uh, that it's really like, I mean, nowadays what what we see all about the climate emergency instead of climate change because it's ha- it's really like a, a topic that has to be dealt right now and with the all the 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 results from the. Um, a IPCC report from last year in October. So, I mean, things are starting to flow a bit faster. But, I mean, it's been a whole process. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and, yeah, I think it's very important that, I mean, there's so much more attention now on the topic than... I mean, it was always, a, yeah, a very urgent topic, but I think the last few years and last few months, especially for the protests as well, were yes, exactly. kind of uh, inspiring. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think... Uh, one question that I was interested in is where do you see opportunities, let's say, for someone who is now studying right now, maybe in their bachelor's? Uh, where do you see kind of the biggest or the hottest topic right now where you could go into for a res- from a research perspective or also from a, from a business perspective? Yes, I, 
I, I would always see what is the need and the urge on like the big global megatrends in the world, especially the big challenges in the world. So for me back then, I mean, and I think still nowadays, it's climate change. And I think from a student that is really, really looking for, for a goal, for a purpose, for a drive, I think that person should always look into what is really like what the world needs at that point. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays, again, I think it's climate change, but also the combination of the uh, disruptive technologies and how you can combine these two concepts, which for me was always a big interest. And that's why I combined the whole digitalization idea with fi- for finding solutions for climate change and also getting involved in cities. So, I mean, at the end of the day, climate change is a big topic. So, I mean, you could approach it from many angles. And also digitalization and technology is such a big topic also. You can also approach it from different angles. So, I mean, yeah, my suggestion would always be like, like really see like where the global need is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe let's take a step back and let's go to the to towards the end of your your PhD and maybe you were thinking yeah kind of where you want to go next. Did you have several open uh, options that you were interested in? What to pursue after that? Yes, actually, a whole new world opened. Uh, also because I was working very like very let's say it sexy topics in the sense that like very important topics that a lot of people were going were wanting to go into it and I also tried a startup before on the clean tech field uh, which was quite hard actually but it I learned a lot from the point of view of entrepreneurship and yeah I had different possibilities but for me personally I always wanted to become an entrepreneur uh, I tried it already before, as I mentioned before, with a clean tech Just startup. Just to interrupt, what was that clean tech startup doing? Uh, actually, it didn't work, so mm. it's not. It's, I mean, it's not there out there. But it was basically a all-in weather station, which means that it, it was like a very small weather station that it also had included the computer and all of the uh, analytics and also the connection to the internet, the service and so on, because usually weather stations, they are huge and you have to connect the console, then you have to connect the computer, then you have to connect to the internet and to get all the information. And then this idea was like to couple everything in one small device. And I mean, the, 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 the hardware, and the software were brilliant but the problem was that there was not really need for it Mm -hmm. so and then we were always trying to look where the need was and how to create our customers but at the end of the day if there's no customers then there's no business yeah yeah correct (laughs) okay yeah so i didn't want to interrupt but so i guess you you said you wanted you were sure you wanted to continue that entrepreneurial yes. life Yes, uh, yeah, because I had kind of a taste of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I liked it even though it was it was like my first failure. But it was very interesting. I learned a lot. And then I realized that in research, I really like research a lot. And it will always be kind of my backup method for any goal that I have. But I wanted to do something more practical and something that you see results faster and like immediately. And yeah. Great. And did you then actively think about topics or like problems that you could solve that you were interested in or kind of what were the next steps after that, after you made that decision? 
Um, well, I was in parallel doing both. I was in parallel finishing the like my research activities and lecturing because I was also lecturing, and then I started a WeSpace, which is what you're referring to right now, um, in parallel. And I first wanted to do like a trial, like a test. So that's why we uh, created a pop-up, uh, which was kind of our pilot. Uh, where we wanted to explore the idea and then afterwards when it was already something more concrete then I decided to leave research and and then start really full time on on the on the new venture but but I'm I, I'm still doing on the side uh, research things for different topics like uh, I also do consulting in terms of experts so I mean I never stopped somehow but okay. like from a day-to-day -day job I'm focused more on the on, on the venture okay. now and since you mentioned vSpace could you just quickly share for the, to the audience what vSpace is and what the purpose or what, what your goal is behind creating yeah. that so actually WeSpace is a very different idea from what I was working before but the way I got into it was that the end of my research career I was looking a lot into the new trends in cities and the future of cities so because I was overseeing different projects and it was more into like where the cities were going into the future not only in terms of uh, climate change but it also in different um, topics and in one of the projects we were working a lot with community building and citizen engagement and citizen participation and how communities are going to start be, being building up in, in cities and how this bottom-up approach is going to start being very strong and then the future of work how all the dynamics in the city are changing so then I got very into the whole idea of co-working spaces and how uh, the whole physical environment in cities is going to like the concepts are going to change so people are not going to go every day to the same place to work but they are going to choose different places where they can meet different people and they have different networks and yeah and then and that that's how it started so i wanted to go more into that area but i also realized and also by doing research i realized that the future of co-working is very targeted so in the future all co-working spaces will start being more they will have more like a target group like for example co-working for food startups or co-working for um artists or co-working for photographers and so on so it's more like targeted and and then I got also very interested in the topic of women and empowering women and like professional women in general and how you can build up a, a community of with this common goal and or common denominator that it's the, the professional woman and how you can uh, build up a community out of that. And actually, initially, it started like a, as a co-working space, but eventually we changed it. And now we call it um, a woman centric platform where we offer co-working but that's not the core of the business because we also offer a series of events we also offer networking and we are also building up a digital platform so so in the sense that it becomes like a woman-centric community that it's physical and digital mm -hmm. and that yeah and then it's just basically how you build up uh, uh, online and offline community okay yeah very interesting and i think a very a uh, great initiative as well to to encourage yeah kind of entrepreneurship or like I guess also innovation and just exchange among professional women yeah one thing that would be interesting for me is co-working spaces it's a very tangible business in the sense that you need like 
real estate or you need like a property that mm. where you can rent out the the, the working desks etc it's probably not that easy to get into that no um, that's <laughs> that's basically the biggest problem yeah uh, like how did you approach this because i'm really really interested how kind of entrepreneurs make these decisions and how they you know educate themselves as well before they do such a move or like how they learn while doing yeah it, so. it was it was i mean as you mentioned mm-hmm. it was learning by doing um mm-hmm. and especially when you have to build up a physical space that it's quite capitally intense mm-hmm. so i mean we i mean our theory from the beginning was like bootstrapping as much as we could as much as we could getting as much sponsors as we could getting partnerships and and so on so we really really try really hard on that mm-hmm. so it's really like meeting people telling them about your idea trying to get some partnerships but in the sense that it's also good for them that it's not only like asking for money and for things but really like doing also something um, in return and i think that's how we got the space we got into a partnership with the owner of the space and then we also gave that uh, like the company some uh, visibility then also with the furniture was the same thing i mean of course at the end we had to buy also some like the rest of the furniture but it was like more how to build it up without having any money which makes you always very creative yeah <laughs> and yeah and then i mean until today that we have done everything ourselves with my co-founder and then we don't have any investors and we managed to have to pay all our fixed costs and we managed to run the the, the business as it is it was all about uh, being creative yeah creativity is very important yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how did you get the word out i guess about you know you don't want that you open up the space but then people don't really know about it yet yeah i mean getting traction is also very very mm. difficult uh, the way we did it is that I mean, one or two good uh, media presses, it's enough to build up like a snowball. Mm-hmm. Ball. <laughs> and also getting people, I mean, more word to word and getting people in. So doing our, a lot of events, uh, doing like an open house where everyone can come and explore the space. So really doing a lot of uh, like being very active of bringing people to the space at the beginning is very important. And then building up a very good brand. I mean, also taking care of like a very good logo, pick, um, colors, uh, social media presence, uh, website, everything. So, yeah. I mean, it's all a package. And one question I want to ask before, when you went out to look for a potential space to, to rent, like that you did now with, with the partner, how did you approach this? Like, did you just call random people or like office spaces or no i mean we looked into what was out there in the market then we had a look at the spaces then we saw the ones that we wanted of course all of them were very expensive Mm. (laughs) but we managed to find out who the owners were and i think that was a good approach because then we approached them directly and then we pitched our story and then yeah and then i mean with some of them were not interested at all but somewhere and then you just start discussions with them. Are there any other, you know, initiatives that you think you support that could encourage more um, leadership or also entrepreneurship among among women? Uh, yeah, I think the the fact that VC funds are more and more understanding that uh, companies are built by female founders are also 
uh, worth seeing and exploring. That's that's I mean that's something that it's happening and that I think that it's going to make a difference. Also because I mean I believe that either fee- only female founders or a mixed or, or a mixed uh, founder team they have a very different approach than an only male founders mm-hmm. and i think uh, female founders are a bit risk averse which is on one hand bad but on the other hand they are a bit more careful with the funding they are a bit more careful with how they spend the money and so on uh, and this is just my impression that i've been having and i i mean at the end of the day it would be ideal to have half half of uh, founders like have like everyone is represented so you have like both sides you have like the very risk averse side and then, mm-hmm. then at the same time you also have like the let's jump and let's just do it but 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 then i mean at the end of the day it's all about not having more presence on i mean it's not arriving that the, to the point that only females are being encouraged but i mean at the end of the day is to push to encourage women but to arrive to an equal level right mm-hmm. to yeah. equality so mm-hmm. And when you you mentioned also the mindset, like how was that for yourself? Were there any, you know, was there any self-talk or any... To you jump, know, you mean? Yeah, to kind of to, to, to make that decision. I mean, you I think often people think about it a lot, like, oh yeah, I could start that yeah. business, I have this idea, but then I think only a fraction of the people actually then do it. Do it. I think um, the good thing with me is that I had in my mind that I had nothing to lose because I was not I mean I was in research I was earning a good salary but not like amazingly so I was and I haven't been in a I mean I was in research which at the end of the day you can think that it's like a small entrepreneurship venture because you're building up your own kind of research and your own CV inside your like your professional career inside research so you're kind of also in charge of your own uh, projects kind of like in, in the sense that I mean you, you you already have like this self-initiative and then I see that the people that I have been in corporates for a long time and that uh, have a very good salary and all of these like things that you are aiming for right it's much easier for them to say okay I leave everything be fine and then I jump mm-hmm. so I think it's the more that you have a very stable a path or based is the it's more difficult to jump out of that and then I think my mindset was that I had nothing to lose really mm-hmm. I mean I was and I was very motivated and interested to go into a different direction so for me it was obvious that I wanted to change and anything that I would have changed at that point it would have been the start of something new so Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah, I think that's <laughs> very true what you mentioned also about the, when you want to have a stable salary that pays well, it's so hard. I think it was, um, I'm not sure if it was Nicholas Taleb, but someone similar said, I think the two biggest addictions in the world are like, I think one heroin and the second one, a stable salary or a regular yes, income, something exactly. like that. And yeah, it's very hard to kind of give that up. Give yes, that up. Yeah. exactly. So yeah, I mean, I think in that sense, I was very fortunate mm. because I... I I also think that if I were in that position that I had a very amazing stability and I was happy with my job and uh, I had a big company backing all my uh, professional progress, then I would it would be much difficult, of course. Yeah, yeah. Good. Then maybe one more question to WeSpace. So I think the people working here right now, like that rent out the space, are they mainly working on their own businesses or... Kind of who, who are you looking for to, to join you here? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't really look for people. The people look for us. And mm. then what we realize is that mainly 
people that are coming are either freelancers or the people that have their own business but already a bit later stage so a bit more established uh, also people that work in companies and the companies pay their membership yeah okay yeah, yeah so, so i think uh just i can just encourage everyone to, to check it out if you're interested um i'll also link that then on the website and the show notes so yeah i think we could maybe shift gears a little bit so a good place to start is maybe i really am interested in kind of what knowledge resources people use or like do you have any favorite books or um, podcasts or any other type of resources that you like to listen to or read to i get that question quite often <laughs> and i never know what to answer because okay. i mean i it's really a combination between books uh, that i that people recommend I mean, I always say that Twitter is my source of news <laughs> because I get a lot of flash and short um, news from different uh, people that I follow and that I think they, they share very interesting things. So it's like a way where I can find a summary of everything that is happening in the yeah. world, which I'm interested in, of course, because if you follow only the people mm -hmm. that are like the topics that you're interested in. So I think for me, that's also quite good. Yeah, but it's basically this too. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, also newsletters, but uh, newspapers. Sorry, but uh, but sometimes you don't have so much time to read mm -hmm. the whole thing. So, but no, but I like reading books. So yeah, and for Twitter, do you use any you know tools or something to kind of no, skim actually, through all the content? <laughs> actually, I'm very bad on Twitter. <laughs> no, in the sense that I don't post too much, but mm. I I always like scrolling, like yeah. while I'm in the train or mm. and then I just see what people are talking about and if I see something that it's very interesting then I just click and then I go more in deep mm -hmm. but yeah yeah maybe you can check out Nozzle I think it's called it's okay. N-U-Z-C-E-L it's kind of a tool it sends you once a day kind of a summary of the most important retweeted thing. or most important tweets that you ah, might cool. have missed so yeah. that's also kind of my, my daily <laughs> source of news yeah. that I get um, yeah And you mentioned books. Do you, have, you know any favorite book that you would recommend to people? It does not even need to be business related. It can be, you I know, it can be some a book that really had a, kind of changed your mindset or that you found really entertaining. I like the um, the one from uh, the one that's called Zero to One. Oh, uh, from Peter Thiel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I always say one to zero, so I always have to check <laughs> zero to one. Yeah, I. I think that book, I mean, super fast, super easy to read. You read it probably in one hour if you're a fast reader. So, and, and it's, I mean, most of the things they talk about, it's very, it's very obvious, but other things are like very interesting to, to hear, to like mm -hmm. to read. Uh, but I mean, for a startup perspective, it's like a, a book you have to read. Mm -hmm. The other one that I really liked that I read recently was Traction. Okay. Uh, and it's really interesting because the moment that you face the situation that you need to get more customers, uh, that's the book you have to read because it's all about traction channels, more about the marketing and the sales, but like really ma more like from the, the strategic uh, point of view. And they also tell stories around how other big startups have done it, how they have explored their different uh, traction channels and so on. And they also lay down like a strategy of how you can do it, like a step to step. To step. So that's actually very interesting. I think those are the ones that I really like the most. Yeah, great. I, I did not know Traction, but I, I'll, I'll check it out. It sounds yeah. very interesting. Then next question would be, 
um, I think you were featured on the, the Forbes 30 under 30. Mm -hmm. Is there, you know, kind of a story how, how that happened? Like, do people normally reach out to you or do you have to apply there? Or how does that whole mm -hmm. process work to get listed? <laughs> yeah, it's actually very funny because, I mean, there's the, 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 the main list, uh, mm -hmm. which is like from the main magazine, mm -hmm. uh, which is like the American list. Uh, uh, and then the American list did, or the main magazine, they did like the Europe version. And then uh, for so for a long time they had like these two lists like the American and the Europe one, and then after a while the regional Forbes started also creating their own list, but it became like um, like spin-offs. Mm -hmm. uh, but the moment that the European list came out, uh, actually ETH started also promoting, uh, starting like from a marketing perspective, started uh, nominating their researchers that actually were quite active and they were under 30 and were doing uh, like interesting that were working on interesting topics so back then uh, ETH contacted me and then they say okay we want to nominate you and then I mean the way they did it is that they say okay I mean this is like one of the main lists it's the European list so, so we don't promise that you will get in I mean we just send around 15 people 15, 15 nominees and from the 15 we always get two or three if Uh, and then, of course, if they pitch it to you like that, you're like, okay, there's no way I'm going in. I mean, first, like the main list and second, like, don't get your hopes up. But anyway, we did the whole process. And then for those lists, it's actually quite difficult because you need to apply and then you need to, in the application form, you need to write why you are doing great job, why are you doing this and that. And the ATH also had to do a lot of uh, writing and and. And applying and, and there's like three different st stages and so on so it was quite difficult to get like the whole process and also because of that I thought like okay there's no way I mean there's so many amazing people at ETH I, there's no way it's happening and then yeah and then suddenly they wrote me and say okay can you please send me your profile picture and your description and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> nice surprise yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then actually that year uh, three of us got in three ETH um, researchers we got on the list which was quite good also for ETH. Um, yeah, and then afterwards, I, uh, afterwards after my, my year, then all the regional lists started doing like this spin-off of the, of the local ones. And then afterwards I found out that they don't have to go through all of this process and I got a bit pissed about that. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But I mean, I think there's like different processes and uh, I think people uh, need to understand that it's, it's not like... Like the the regional Forbes is not like the main list of the of the main magazine, mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually easier to get to the regional one. So if you want, you can also apply. <laughs> <laughs> I would guess that it's 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 much easier to to get in. And I mean, for me, if it, if I didn't have ETH doing this whole process for me, there was no way. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to have like a big, a uh, very established, uh, well known institution backing you up otherwise yeah. you have to be a billionaire so i mean <laughs> yeah. and i'm not either well so <laughs> so it was actually a, a very interesting you no know, it was an interesting development it was a it was quite quite good mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> good story it was just something i was really curious about how, yeah because how actually happened, people ask me a lot that because mm -hmm. they also see like that they're now this uh, re that's they started popping up this regional list and then people don't understand they are like okay mm -hmm. but you were in science but you were in the main list but you were in europe like how how does it work and so on so yeah. i always have to explain actually how it works but i think it's actually great that they're doing that because they are pushing young people to to i mean they're promoting young people and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like this 
either millionaires, young millionaires in Europe that are, eh, sorry, in in the Silicon Valley that are doing amazing stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you can also showcase the regional people. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. Yeah. Then something that I really like to ask is also if the people I interview, if they have any, you know, unusual hobby or like some kind of absurd thing that you like just to get more kind of a <laughs> life balance like, like it, it, life work balance yeah. <laughs> not just to see kind of what you do when you kind of not pursue your your startup your venture and then just you know to, to see if there's something kind of unique or that could be interesting to, to do to like the when I'm not uh, working on, on yeah the startup? when you're not working on, on the Wii space if there's any any kind of hobbies you pursue <laughs> I like developing websites <laughs> oh really okay <laughs> I do it also for friends and I started actually charging now because I realized that people appreciate my work. So, no, but I, I like building up websites. Um, I like a lot of like design things. I mean, I don't know, developing like brands and like logos for friends and this kind of things. I like that, doing that a lot. I also like traveling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I cannot stay in one place for a long time. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that not not living. I mean, I can live here, but I mean, like, uh, I have to travel. Yeah, but basically, I'm a workaholic. That's the truth. So, <laughs> but, so that's the sad truth. And do you, you mentioned um, so web design? Do you have any tools that you use to? Yeah, before, like back in the days, I used to program in themself myself. Okay, yeah. uh, but then afterwards, I realized, and there's so many tools now out there that really they are much faster. And then you just, and then now what I like to use uh, is Wix because actually, what I think, what I realize about this uh, um, platform, which is amazing is that it's the perfect platform for graphic designers to build up a website because it's like having like a an illust- online illustrator yeah. so you can kind of even build up like create all your graphics and everything like and then you just oh, publish cool. it online okay. and then the other cool thing is that now they have the beta version of Wix code and then now you can start also coding so I think it was the for me it's the best combination mm-hmm. like the design part plus the coding part and and I think every person like people that used to also build up uh, programs they have all everyone has their own preferences Mm -hmm. and i think it also depends on what your background and your um, skills are but yeah Yeah, i think so that's wix.com yes i think yeah Yeah. i I also used it once for for, i think my first website as well Mm. um so yeah i i would also recommend that one Then yeah, traveling. Where where? What's your next trip? <laughs> I just came from Tel Aviv. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday. Uh, yeah, no, but I mean around Europe. Even if mm. it's just taking the car or taking the train. So, yeah. Cool. Then a slightly different question. <laughs> um, if you had any advice to your to your younger self, or also just to someone maybe early early mid twenties, does not need to be career related. It can be any type of okay. advice. What would you tell? yourself or don't take yourself so serious (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially because i mean not in terms of work i think of work i i think i'm very happy with my work but in terms of like uh, a more for a personal life and i think sometimes when you are in your early 20s you have to maybe you think that you have to take uh, yourself too serious because that's the only way you can build a career and people take you serious but at the end of the day i mean you also have to have fun and then I ended up having fun only at the end of my 20s so (laughs) (laughs) 
which I mean, yeah, it was probably more careful fun, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean that I think that's that would be something that I would tell myself. My next question would be your personal advisory board, which is a concept that I that I heard not too long ago. Like mentors, you mean? Yeah, kind of mentors, but just people that you know would be if you were a company or something that would be in your advisory board, and it can be anyone. It can be someone alive. It can be someone who who lived few hundred years ago doesn't matter just kind of people you would like that advise you or give you guidance in some some areas oh wow uh, I do admire a lot Helen Clark which was the former prime minister of New Zealand which or president of New Zealand I think she got a lot uh, involved a lot in the whole climate change and in the UNEP and so on after her after her time uh, as a uh, in the government and I think it would be, I mean, I'm not sure if as an advisory board I would, but I would always would dream to really interview her or like mm -hmm. to really just talk to her and see like how, I mean, because it's incredible. It's someone that I have the feeling that it's not very self-centered and that really wanted the, the common good of people. And she, I, I think she did a, a great job in everything she did. So... Mm -hmm. And she's already quite senior. I mean, she might be probably in her 60s. I don't know. So, mm -hmm. yeah. But I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many people, but, <laughs> but, but no one that I would. I mean, for my company, I know, but for myself, I don't know. I would need to think a bit more. Okay, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Are there any learnings or also maybe unjustified fears that now looking back you think, yeah, I. I did not need to worry about that. Maybe more related to us, you're, you're building up your oh, Maybe now. my PhD. I okay. should have not worried too much about that. Okay. <laughs> because I think at the end of the day, I was doing a great job, but I always wanted to make it, do it perfect. But good enough was, I mean, it was already good enough without arriving to perfection. So, mm -hmm. and I think I, I stressed myself out quite a bit too much mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah okay so relax more yeah. <laughs> also yeah. don't take yourself too seriously yeah, as you exactly. mentioned before okay yeah. very cool then yeah i think my last question would be since the the title of this podcast is leap takers my question is what does courage mean to you jumping <laughs> <laughs> Just doing it, jumping. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Okay. Yeah, great verse. And then thank you very much, Estefani, for, for this interview, this conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, are there any you know, last words you want, we want to say to the audience? Any, anything that you still wanted to say? No, that's all. I just want to thank you for the interview. It was, I hope it was very interesting for all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. And then I'll also, I think if people want to learn more about vSpace or kind of what you did with your research, etc., I think I'll link them to in the show notes. And I think people can also find you then on, on Twitter, even though yeah. you don't post too much. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, perfect. Good. Good. Thank, Thank you very you. much. All right, this was it for today's episode. You could do me a really big favor if you just quickly head over to the iTunes store or whichever app you use to listen to these podcasts and give the Leap Takers podcast a five-star rating. This would really help me to get more visibility and that I'll be able to continuously bring on great guests on this show. So I would really appreciate that. Thank you very much.
As always, I'm also very happy to hear your feedback. Um, if you have any ideas as well for future guests, what questions you would like to ask them, just shoot me a message. I'm happy to read it. I will read all, all of it and also try to reply. You can find more details on that and, and on what I'm up to on leaptakers.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram, which you can also find the handles to in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. And don't forget, don't take yourself too seriously. Bye-bye.